1: This episode of Rudder Dead is sponsored by TBR. Been dreaming of a stitch fix for books? Now it's here. Tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. Sign up only takes a few minutes. Answer a couple of questions about what you like to read and what you're looking for, link up to your Goodreads profile if you have one, and you're done. So you can visit mytbr.co slash treat your shelf to sign up today. That's myTBR.co slash shelf
0: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 35 and we're recording on Wednesday, September 26th. I'm Katie McLean along with Rincy Abraham and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi Katie. Hi Rincy. How are you? I'm good. It feels like fall
1: here, so I, I was in a very good mood today. Oh,
0: it does feel like fall, and I don't quite know what to make of that. i I mean, I know this is when fall happens, like it happens every <laughs> year, but I don't know. I always feel like we're like summer either drags on for way too long or winter comes way too early. So like fall mm. comes, and I'm like, I don't know how i don't I don't know what to do. <laughs> like I, I will- feel like I should know. <laughs> I will
1: say, like, I am having a hard time trying to figure out what to wear every yes. day because I can't. I'm like, is it how cold is it going to be or how hot is it going to be? And so I'm basically just doing like the layers thing because at least then, like, I can cover my bases because
0: I'm every morning, I'm like, what does 65 feel like? <laughs> Well, I'm the same thing where I where I put on a jacket or like a blazer and then I'm like, okay, it's probably, you know, it's probably going to be, you know, at least fairly cool to where I'll want, you know, my arms covered. And then I walk outside and I'm like, oh God. God, it's all hot and sticky. And then and then I think I'm fine and I'm, you know, I might have the day off and I've got like kind of a tank top or a sleeveless shirt on. I walk outside and I'm like, "Jeepers, it's cold." What happened? It's like I I really should like check my weather app before I step outside, but I guess I just haven't learned that lesson yet. <laughs> I mean, I check my
1: weather app, but I feel like that still doesn't make a difference because I'm still just like I don't know what that number means anymore. <laughs> like I'm only used to like it being in the upper 70s or higher so i'm like is
0: 60s like is upper 60s considered cool enough for a jacket we'll see (laughs) yeah We'll find out. I feel like I should just be bringing along like a tote bag with all of these different layers. Like, okay, here's a here's a cardigan, and then yep. here's a light windbreaker. Here's a nice light, here's a thin thin material scarf. Don't forget an umbrella in case it rains. Oh yes, oh yes, gotta carry that umbrella. Which of course I always forget. Like I come into work and then it starts downpouring, and they're like, well, did you bring an umbrella?" And I'm like, "Yeah, in my car," <laughs> <laughs> where it's completely not useful. Yeah, I uh, commute to work, so I always, and
1: I have a backpack that I carry, so I always have an, um, well, no, I shouldn't say always, because there have been times where I've taken it out because it rained, and then I, like, left it out to dry and forgot to put it back in, but the majority of the time, I at least have an umbrella in my bag.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah, my, I just, I am, I am hopeless with the umbrellas. I'm, I've just resigned myself to that I'm just gonna have to occasionally come into work or just, or just come home just completely soaked and just look like a wet rat. Oh, no. <laughs> And with the wavy hair that just does that humidity, wetness, poof. Yeah. That frizz. That halo of frizz. Oh, all right. Well, uh, I was going to say we did not suddenly switch to a... Hair and weather update podcast. If you have tuned in for mysteries and suspense and thrillers, you have come to the right place. I do. I promise you that. Um, if this is your first time listening, welcome. We we love our new listeners. If um if you're a if you're a not a brand new listener, you'll know that this is uh this is the time where we talk a little bit about the show. We talk about um we cover new releases in the world of mystery suspense and thrillers we cover news updates movie adaptations themed reading lists read-alikes um other unusual things going on in that world and as always we put out a we put out a a call for any topics or subjects reading requests uh reading recommendations that you might have um because we liked we like to um, talk about those in upcoming in uh, future episodes um, so if you have already shared, um, if you have already shared a suggestion with us, we really do appreciate hearing from all of you. Keep them coming. We love it. We love the suggestions. Um, and then if you have not, we always put our contact information at the bottom of the show. So make sure to keep an ear out for that. And even if you don't have any suggestions, we like to chat with people about stuff that we talked about on the episode. And we like to talk with people who we know have been listening to us. So, um, so to kick us off, we've got a, we've got a few uh, news items. Why don't you uh, go ahead and give us a couple of those, Rincy?
1: Okay. So the first one is one that I'm personally super amped about. Uh, it was recently announced that that Veronica Mars is going to be doing like. I guess it's considered a revival of the show. They're going to be doing another season on Hulu. Um, it was announced on Twitter. Kristen Bell posted like a video talking about it, and obviously, like Rob Thomas, the creator of the show, uh, mentioned it. Um, so I have loved Veronica Mars from the beginning. Like it's one of those shows where I just happened to watch the pilot like when it aired and I was like immediately hooked and was like obsessed with it. I own the DVDs. I watched the movie, like all of it. I'm totally into it and I'm very excited about this, but also because Rob Thomas, like when he was talking about it on Twitter, he said like the revival movie was kind of just like fan service uh which if you watch the movie you know that for a fact like it's fun and all that stuff but he said that this limited run series on Hulu is going to be like a true detective story which is great and exactly what I want out of a Veronica Mars uh, revival um So, yeah, the show is coming back in 2019, I want to say. And um, another piece of exciting news that, like, I think just came out today as we're recording this is that former basketball player Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is going to be one of the writers (laughs) on the show, which... I never would have expected, but is so amazing. Um, I'm a fan of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in general. I was a basketball fan growing up, but then also like just the way his career has gone. Um, you may be aware – or listeners, you may be aware that uh, he wrote a couple of like Sherlock Holmes young adult or middle grade um stories. And he is just like a really strong writer in general. Like he's written a number of like op-eds and like pieces for like Time Magazine and the Hollywood Reporter and all of this stuff. And he's just like a very smart, very strong writer. And it's Very interesting to me that he is now going to be sitting in the writer's room of uh, Veronica Mars. So yeah, I just think that's like amazing and I'm very excited for the show. And if you haven't watched Veronica Mars yet, um, I don't believe it's available streaming at the moment, but Hulu is going to be putting it up, but I'm not exactly sure about the date about that. Um, But if you haven't watched Veronica Mars yet, you must. It's so good. I love it so, so much. Uh, Season three gets a little bit shaky. That's the final season. Uh, But Oh, man, I could watch seasons one and two over and over again.
0: Is this the time to admit I have not seen Veronica Mars yet? <laughs> <sighs> Katie, it's okay. You
1: have to, no, it's okay, though, because now you can experience it for the first time and then go into the revival and experience that as well. So that'll be your assignment for before it premieres in 2019. <laughs> okay,
0: when in 2019 does it premiere? I don't think it's until later because they have not even started shooting yet. So okay. you've got a little bit of time. Okay. I was like, how much time do I actually have? Because 2019 is fast approaching. Oh, yeah. No, you have like a minimum of six months. I don't even think
1: it'll come out in the first half of the year.
0: Okay. All right. I think I, think I, I might be able to manage that.
1: And then also, well, I mean, I've read them because, I, again, I love everything about Veronica Mars. But if you weren't aware, there are two Veronica Mars novels that... Um, but the thing with the novels is that you have to watch the show and and watch the movie in order to uh, read the books because it takes place like after the movie, movie takes place and there are like spoilers. Um, so yeah, but I really enjoyed those. Kristen Bell actually narrates the first one and so it legitimately feels like you're watching an episode of Veronica Mars if you listen to the audiobook. I highly recommend it. The second audiobook isn't narrated by her but the narrator still does a really good job. So if you like the Veronica Mars... Uh, universe, and for some reason you didn't know there are books.
0: <laughs> I do like Kristen Bell. Like I love The Good Place. Oh my so, gosh, I love The Good Place too. <laughs> oh my gosh, we just finished season two, and then didn't realize we had actually finished season two until Netflix told us that we didn't have any more episodes. <laughs> and I was like, what? I, yeah that that
1: show is so good, and I'm so excited. I think it comes back
0: this week. <laughs> oh, thank
1: God. <laughs> I was like, so you actually might have timed that really well. I think we <laughs> I think did. I'
0: back like tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we finished it like two or three weeks ago, I think. but uh, oh, I love that show so much. i I need more of that show in my life. It was so happy for me. yeah, it's it's great. It's a great show. All right. Um, The
1: other piece of news that I'm going to touch upon very quickly is that uh, Michael B. Jordan is going to be starring in uh, two movie adaptations uh, based on uh, these Tom Clancy books. Um, So he's going to be playing John Clark, who is basically the main protagonist in a handful of Clancy books. Um, And the two that they're adapting are. Are Rainbow Six and Without Remorse. Um, Now, I haven't read any Tom Clancy books ever, but if there was anyone who's going to make me read a Tom Clancy book, it would be Michael B. Jordan. Um, So, (laughs) uh, let's. Yeah, so there hasn't been a lot of news about it yet, just other than the fact that Michael B. Jordan has been cast as the main character Um, in the books. um, Oh, apparently he's in 17 novels written by Tom Clancy, and uh, he is an ex-Navy SEAL turned operations officer for the CIA. Um, So yeah, Michael B. Jordan's great, and I plan on watching him in everything that he does. I basically have at this point, and will continue on. So apparently now I need to read some Tom Clancy books to get myself uh,
0: up to date on this character before the movie comes out, which probably won't be for a couple of years you know you first start when you first start mentioning that you're like uh character john clark and i wanted to go who is not jack ryan um because that's <laughs> literally i'm looking at that going and i'm and i'm like okay john clark what do i know about that character not jack ryan okay
1: <laughs> i mean i feel like unless you're a huge tom clancy person you don't know who john clark is. like i at least knew who jack ryan was even though i've never read a john uh I keep all of their last names start with C and it's really throwing me off. I've never read a Tom Clancy book before, but I at least knew who Jack Ryan was mm-hmm. uh, but I've never heard of John Clark.
0: yeah, I haven't either. I mean, I've heard of the, I've, I'm aware of the books that you that you mentioned, but yeah I I have not read any Tom Clancy. I tried to read The Hunt for Red October, but I didn't get very far in it. um it's just it's it's not my cup of tea. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have a feeling this isn't going to be my cup of tea either. But I at least want to give it a try before the movie comes out. I mean, I have no problem with just watching Michael B. Jordan. On I was a screen
0: with I was going to say for Michael B. Jordan's sake, you know, you can <laughs> give it a try.
1: I'm not. I mean, it's not like I'm going to not watch the movie because I haven't read the book because it's Michael B. Jordan. So. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, and then in other adaptation news, um, if you are at all familiar with um, The Kept by James Scott, um, it's a historical uh, mystery suspense novel uh, that came out in 2014. Uh, Angelina Jolie is going to star in the movie adaptation, I believe. She's also going to be producing it as well. Um This is one of those books where I was like, well, I know the title and I can see the cover, but I I couldn't remember, I haven't actually read it. Um, If you you haven't read the novel, um, Variety uh, gives this summary. Uh, The story is set in the winter of 1897 and follows a trio of killers that descends upon an isolated farm in upstate New York. Midwife Elspeth Howell returns home to the carnage, her husband and four of her children murdered. Before she can discover her remaining son, Caleb, alive and hiding in the kitchen pantry, another shot rings out over the snow-covered valley Caleb who is 12 years old must tend to his mother until she recovers enough for them to take to the frozen wilderness in search of the men responsible um, so definitely seems like it's more along the suspense line of stuff and kind of the survival thriller um, kind of the the uh, revenge narrative um, but yes Angelina Jolie is set to is set to star and uh, produce the film. Uh, so it sounds, at the very least, it sounds like it should be an interesting movie. Um, so you'll want to keep an eye out for news of that. And then this last bit is not a link, but I just wanted to say that uh, Blaine and I watched and then finished American Vandal Season 2 um, yesterday, I think. Yeah, yesterday we, we watched the last episode. It is really gross, but so good. Like, definitely on par with Season 1. Like, I think Season 1 was funnier. But season two still has that, like, where I like those what I loved about season one was that it was goofy and ridiculous, but it's still kind of kind of hit you surprisingly with that with its like, poignant kind of themes and message and stuff. Um, it was kind of like unexpectedly poignant. The season two, it's um, that is much more obvious, but it makes really really fascinating and just really on point statements about, you know, American culture and teenagers in high school and where as a culture we have our priorities and then there's there's like it's oh my gosh there's so much stuff going on and um I will I will say as a person who sometimes can get like super grossed out by like Bodily functions are like super realistic de- depictions of such. Um, I will say if anyone else is in this in a similar boat, the first episode is kind of difficult to get through. It's really, really disgusting. Um, the rest of the episodes are not nearly as bad., um, the like it started off to where I was like I may have to limit myself on how much I can watch this because it was super messing with my like with my anxiety and my triggers and stuff. But by the end of it, I was bringing home takeout and going, "Oh my god, we got to finish up American Vandal season two. So it, it gets a lot easier in that respect to watch. So um, if any, so yeah, if anyone's in a similar boat, just wanted to give give you that heads up from someone who kind of muscled through it and watched the whole thing. But um, it's really fantastic. It's just it's got all these twists that you don't expect. And just just amazing, like, like I said, statements about society. And like, it's, it's a lot darker than the first one. Um, Like it's like the end, it's like really dark. Um, But it's still like hopeful and funny. And it's just is really, really fantastic. Um, So I really highly recommend it. They've done a bang-up job with it. Yeah, I was telling you this ahead of time, Katie, but
1: I haven't started it yet because I had heard how gross it is. And one of the only times I watch TV anymore because I don't watch a lot of TV, or I don't watch as much TV as I used to, but a lot of times when I'm watching TV, it's while I'm like eating dinner or eating some other meal. And so I haven't watched it yet, literally just because of that, but maybe like this weekend or something, I will find a moment when I'm not eating and <laughs> The first episode, at least, yeah, so
0: I can get past that. <laughs> yeah, the first episode, you definitively do not want to be watching that while you're eating. Like, that, like, I did not watch it when I was eating, and that still threw me off my food a little bit for the for a little for a little while for the rest of the day. Um, so you know, just. <laughs> Bear that in mind. I, I hope that's an adequate, adequate, you know, content warning. But the rest of it, you could probably, you could probably do without giving a second the thought about, you know, what you're eating or anything. So, all right.
1: Um, so, before we jump into the main topic of the episode, I have our first sponsor, and that is the Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. At a gala party thrown by her parents, Evelyn Hardcastle will be killed. Again. She's been murdered hundreds of times, and each day, Aiden Bishop is too late to save her. Doomed to repeat the same day over and over, Aiden's only escape is to solve Evelyn Hardcastle's murder. However, nothing and no one are quite what they seem. So this is Stuart Turton's debut novel, and it's garnered praise from a lot of different art- authors, including A.J. Finn and Sarah Pinborough. Um, this is a genre-bending debut that has been described as Agatha Christie meets Groundhog Day with the dash of Quantum Leap, and it is the number one Library Reads pick as well as an indie Next pick for September. Uh, so the seven and, a half deaths, or, sorry, seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle has also found a place on several most anticipated lists, including Harper Bazaars, Marie Claire, and Stylist Magazine. I know a lot of people who have already read this one and said that it's a really fun story. And again, like if you like Agatha Christie style or like Golden Age mystery style uh, books, this is a really fun twist on that. Um, And again, that is The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton.
0: And thanks so much for sponsoring this episode. Okay, real quick before we jump into this. first Actually, first of all, I've got one thing to say. I noticed, I don't remember if it was in my library's catalog or elsewhere, I've seen the book listed as the seven deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle with a cover that just says the seven deaths, not the seven and a half deaths. Oh, that's interesting. Which I have no idea if that's a mistake. Like, at first I thought it would just be, it was just like a cataloging error, but then like yeah. there's a cover where it just says the seven deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, so I don't know what that's about. If anyone happens to know, let me know, because I'm very curious secondly i just i while you were while you were talking about this book i was reading the quote from sarah pinborough about this book can i read the quote from by sarah pinborough because this just like immediately made me 20 million times more interested to read this book oh yeah go for it It just just says if agatha christie and terry pratchett had ever had lsd-fueled sex then the seven and a half deaths of evelyn hardcastle would be their acid trip book baby interesting That's amazing. (laughs) Okay,
1: so sorry, I'm also going to jump in a little bit. Um, So this book was actually published in England, I think. I think it's England. It was published in another country before it was published here, and there it was called uh, the seven deaths of Evelyn
0: Hardcastle. Okay, mystery solved. Thank you. Because <laughs> I knew it was published in
1: another country before it came here, um, so I like did a quick Google just to see if like they had changed. I, but I didn't like pay attention to like the difference in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's either like Britain or Australia or something like that.
0: Okay, well, if anyone can figure out why the title changed <laughs> from seven to seven and a half deaths, I mean, we might have to just read the book to find out. Maybe. I mean, I mean, the the whole LSD acid trip book baby thing, totally, totally went. I went, oh, yeah, I'm adding this to my list. <laughs> okay. So, um, for our kind of our central discussion for this episode, this was a suggestion from a listener. And uh, we're gonna be talking about books with LGBTQ detectives. And, uh, you know, when we got this when we got this suggestion and I mean, I could be totally, totally wrong, but we did not already cover this for like June pride month or anything. Right.
1: Yeah, no, we didn't.
0: Okay. Because I was looking at it going, um, cause I remember talking, I had talked about the dime by um, Kathleen Kent and I was like, no, that was for the Edgar awards. And that one yeah. where the main character, um, she's the uh, main, main character is a lesbian. And I was like, no, that wasn't for that. And then I was like, I don't think we've talked about it. So, um, I guess, well, I was going to say, we don't just celebrate Pride in in June. It's a a year-round thing. Um, But, yeah, so um, I, well, Jamie, who does the Mystery Newsletter, I I, uh, messaged her on Twitter. I was like, hey, you got any good suggestions for me? Because I'm like, I want something a little bit different. She gave me a bunch of books to choose from, and now I want to read all of them, including the one that you ended up picking, Rincey. So I'm really excited (laughs) to hear about this one.
1: Yeah, so I actually just went to – so one of the Read Harder challenges this year was to read a mystery book either by a person of color or by an LGBTQ author or I think – I don't know if it's by or about or maybe it's both. Anyways, um, so I actually went to the – Read Harder Goodreads group and like went to that challenge and just started like scrolling through and like seeing which ones had were related to LGBTQ um, detectives or main characters or anything like that. Um, And so this is one that I found and it is The Last Place You Look by Kristen Lepinoka. I I don't I apologize if I mispronounce that. Um, This one is a relatively new release. I think it came out last summer and I really enjoyed it. Um, It has a little bit of like debut-ness to it like there are some things in here that feel a little bit tropey, but overall, this is like a really engaging, really, uh, quick, not quick, it is, was kind of a quick read, but I just felt like the story itself was so engaging that like, it kept you, uh, wanting to keep reading. Um, so this one, you are mainly following this investigate, private investigator named Roxanne. Her dad was a detective and he has recently passed away. And, um, She gets uh, hired to look into uh, this case that happened in this like small town in Ohio. She lives in a major city in Ohio. Um, Basically, what happens is there's this girl named Sarah Cook who disappeared um, around 15 years ago and her boyfriend, Brad Stockton, um, is this black guy and he was basically arrested and convicted for like her or Sarah went missing and her parents were killed. And so Brad got arrested and was convicted of the murders. And everyone thinks that like he had something to do with Sarah disappearing or something like that. Um, And so now he's on death row and he has around like two months left until he's executed. And so his sister uh, comes to Roxanne and is like, I think I saw Sarah Cook at a gas station. Um, Can you like look into this case and try to get my brother free? Because he didn't do it. And, um, but the, so she starts looking into this case and it turns out to be a lot more complicated, obviously, uh, than you would originally expect, but also like Roxanne is just like this extremely complicated character who is struggling heavily. Um, she, like I said, her dad passed away relatively recently and they had sort of a rocky relationship. She drinks a lot and she makes a lot of questionable choices, um, um, And it, like, obviously impacts the way that she ends up solving the case. And it's just, like, really, really well done. Um, So for, like, the LGBTQ part, the main character, Roxanne, is bisexual. And she's with both men and women in the story. So you get to – I don't want to say you, like, get to see both sides of it. But more like they make it seem like it's – like, it's one of those things where it's, like, not – a big deal so to speak like that's not like the main focus of it um it's mainly just about how she's just like this broken person and is in a lot of like just really messed up relationships um there's also like a part of the story where there's like a young teenage girl who's a lesbian most likely they don't like put a label on it uh but she's attracted to another girl and like Roxanne sort of like talks to her about it and things like that it's a really nice moment in the book um so, yeah, I mean, it's a really strong mystery. I definitely will plan on picking up more of these books if there are more coming out with this character because Roxanne is a really interesting character. She's basically – it's kind of funny that we were talking about Veronica Mars earlier in the episode because, like, this character sort of reminds me of a Veronica Mars type. If Veronica Mars was, like, way more messed up and had, like, an alcohol problem – um But yeah, this is a really strong mystery. I will say uh, trigger warning for uh, abuse, both physical and sexual. Um, It's not heavy in that, but there are like towards the end of the story, even like I started feeling very uncomfortable with some of the stuff that they were talking about. Um, And so like if you have sort of like triggers for stuff like that, um, just be aware. Um, But yeah, it was a really good mystery. I think They did a good job of like slowly revealing, um, clues and hints to the reader. Like it's one of those things where it's not like a major twist or anything like that, but the way that the story is set up, I think was really, really well done. So I highly recommend it if you enjoy a good investigator, uh, um, or an especially like messed up character or complicated character sort of in private
0: investigator story. All right. Awesome. Cause yeah, definitely sounds like it's right up my alley. So I'm going to keep that one. I'm going to keep that one on the list. Um, God, there were so many that, um, well, that, that Jamie recommended to me. And I also had gone through the um, article that, God, did Jamie write that one? She might have written the article that- Yeah, she might have. <laughs> for for each of the uh, Read Harder challenges. Um, but yeah, there were just so many fantastic books on there that I, I came back from the library with like two or three additional books. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to have time to read all these. But that's okay. Um, the one I ended up picking is actually a young adult novel called White Rabbit by Caleb Roerig. And this, uh, it either came out, hang on, what was it 2018? So it just came out this year. Um, and the, uh, with this, with this book, I've, I've gotten almost ha- almost halfway through it. Um, but, Holy cow! Does this book start off with a jolt? Like you, it just grabs you and then it just drags you along for the ride. Um, like the the blurbs on the on the book, they're like, "Yeah, when you as soon as you pick this book up, you're going to be staying up way past your bedtime trying to finish it." And I can attest to that. I I was staying up really late trying to like read a few more pages. But the um, the basic premise: with the the main character's name is Rufus. And he when the story starts off, he's at a party with his with his friends, or you know, they're kind of drinking, doing the usual, you know, high school bonfire party thing. And then his ex-boyfriend, Sebastian, shows up. They broke up like a month and a half ago, and Rufus is still trying to get over him, and all of a sudden Sebastian shows up and he's and he says that hey, we need to talk. And so before Rufus can find out what Sebastian wants, he gets a call from his sister, who's technically like his half-sister. April, she's calling him and she's saying, she's like, you need to come, you need to come get me. I need help. Um, She's at like a lake house cabin where she was, where she was hanging out with, with a few older high school students. And she just says, I need help. So Sebastian, who has a car, drives Rufus and drives the two of them over to this abandoned, er, abandoned, but um, this isolated lakeside cabin where they find April sitting on the floor of the kitchen, cover- holding a kitchen knife covered in blood and her boyfriend's dead body at her feet. And they go, oh my God, what happened? And she says, I didn't kill him. And they're like, well, it sure looks like you did. Um, And... Uh, April is just insisting that she didn't do it. Um, But Rufus also knows that she is... She's known for being manipulative. She's known for being kind of... For, you know, being a liar. Um, And he's not sure how to trust... Or if he can trust her. Um, Because that side of the family... Like, he talks about how the whole side of the family... He was... um, he he and his mom are like the outcasts of the family because his biological father got his, got his mother pregnant. But then, you know, not only refused to have anything to do with them, but like actively sets out to like slander their name and make them come across as really like horrible people, even though it's that side of the family that's really terrible. Um, so you have all of these messed up family dynamics. And basically, April's like the only person on that side of the family that, that Rufus can like sort of trust. Um, but he still can't trust her very much. So she, um, basically, she she has something that he that he needs. But the only way he can get it is if she is if he promises to help her figure out what happened because she doesn't remember. She just knows she didn't kill that she didn't kill her boyfriend. Um, so he and so Rufus, because he doesn't have a car, is kind of forced to. Like Sebastian offers to like. Drive, drive them both back um, Rufus is trying to decide when do we go to the police you know do I talk and then he's trying to track down the other people who his sister says were at the house to find out what happened it's very clear that there is something shady going on there's um they uh, the title of the book white rabbit refers to um, in the in the book there um there's there's some kind of drug that's called a white rabbit that's just supposed to be really just really bonkers just drive you out of your mind um and can part- and can uh push people to do like really, really violent acts. Um, So and when they got to the cabin, like these, these pills were just scattered all over the floor. Um, And so they're worried, oh, God, was April on one of these? She says she didn't take anything. But you know, is she lying? Um, They have to figure out, you know, what's going on? Was there a drug deal gone wrong? You know, there's all and then there's these, you know, these connections between the characters. Every one of the characters that were hanging out at that cabin previously are horrible people. Like, scary, violent people who would, like, who, like, would relish just knocking the stuffing out of Rufus. And so it's, like, it's really dark. It's really intense. And basically, Rufus has, like, a night to figure out what actually happened and to figure out if his sister is telling the truth, saying that she didn't kill this guy, um, and mixed in with it, which I'm finding really interesting, is Rufus talks about how he um, he how he struggles with anger issues, and it's not just like oh you know I'm a I'm a you know a sullen teenager that kind of stuff. You know it's like where he has to he's on had to go on medication and seek counseling and how those anger issues, like, have played out in his life before. Um, He talks about how the side of his family who really hates him have used that to his disadvantage, and he used that to try and, you know, sue his mother, get him put in jail. Like, it's it's just so messy and complicated. And then on top of all of this, don't forget, Sebastian, his ex-boyfriend, is still driving him around saying, hey, we've got something important that we need to talk about. And you're like, Oh my gosh, can this night get any more bonkers? And it's so good. It is so it's so compelling. I have no idea where it's going to go, but I cannot wait to just write it out till the end and see and see what happens. This this is I can tell that this is going to be a book. Not only like I'm pretty darn sure that I'm going to end up loving this book, but I'm also going to be recommending it to, like, all the high school students that come that come past the reference desk at work. I'm going to be like, hey, you guys need to read this book. It's bonkers. <laughs> um, and then, so again, that was White Rabbit by Caleb Roerig, I think is how you pronounce it. It's R-O-E-H-R-I-G.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing about that book when it first came out. We might have talked about it in, like, new releases or something like that, and I remember, like, being like, that sounds super interesting, but it sounds, like, super dark, and so I never, like, got up the courage to read
0: it. Yeah, it's, like, again, me, dark, demented, and disturbing over here. Like, I even, I was taken aback. I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is, this is pretty intense. Um, but it's, it's fascinating it's just it's just like this immensely compelling story that like it really grabs you by the jugular and it's just like hey you're coming with me um so this might be a book that you maybe don't want to do what I did and it on a work night or a school night mm-hmm. maybe start on a weekend when you've got some you know time to read in, in like one or two sittings but yeah I will probably be finishing this book in a couple days Yeah, that sounds really good. I
1: might actually have to now read that one. There was actually another book that I was considering um, reading just because you said this is is a young adult and it's called uh, Far From You. I don't know if you remember um, this one. This one came out I want to say like 2016 or something like that. It's by Tess Sharp and it follows like this girl who um, ends up going to rehab and then when she comes back from rehab, uh, she's only like 16 or 17 years old or something like that. And then like soon after she comes back from rehab, her best friend dies in what everyone thinks is like a drug deal gone wrong. Um, But like the main character basically is like, I know it's not a drug deal gone wrong. And so she starts looking into it, but like no one also believes her because she's like a former, you know, user and stuff like that. Um, That's the other one that I wanted to read. And I heard was really, really good. So if you like Young Adult Mysteries, um, Far From You is also another one that you can check out.
0: Yeah, there was um, not Young Adult, but there was another there was another novel that I was um that I had my eye on, but I only realized that I could get a copy of it easily, like, like basically too late um, for me to talk about it too much on the show. And I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what what service I checked it out on. I think I checked it out on Hoopla. Yeah. Called Seven Suspects by Renee James. Um, and that one, the the main character is a trans woman um, and it's got a, it's got a pair of bloody scissors on the cover. And I was like, well, this sounds interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it basically, but I'm, I'm skimming the, the summary, but uh, talking about like all of the trauma and the, um, uh, the transitions that, sh- that she has survived um, and then to come to find out that, you know, she's made enemies along the way um, and one of them stalking her. The threats are becoming more violent, more personal, um, but she she's intimidated. It says, but she has vowed to never be the victim again. So she uh, collects a list of suspects and then hunts them down, like basically stalking the potential stalkers and, um, and the but you know this keeps saying you know she's stalking the these six people but there's this there's this other one that just kind of keeps cropping up so it's like who is this person, um so I mean the pro, the the plot premise just sounds fantastic and yeah bonus points for a really really compelling cover which yeah is a pair of bloodstained scissors, um so I will probably have to read that one just because, <laughs> just just for no other reason, um. But yeah, so that, that one sounds really sounds really interesting as well. And that's uh, Seven Suspects by Renee James.
1: All right. So if you want to uh, let us know what your favorite maybe series or books are that um, feature LGBTQ characters, you are more than welcome to email us. I'll give our email address at the end of the episode. Um, but we love getting those suggestions from you guys. There have been a couple of times where we've done episodes on specific topics and you guys have emailed in uh, more recommendations, which I always love. Um, not... Because like, you know, there's never enough of these mysteries. And especially like coming from people who are like regular readers. If someone's like, oh, I really love this one. It makes me more interested in picking up that book or series.
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, So the second sponsor for uh, this episode is William Morrow, uh, publishers of I Know You Know, which is the new novel by Jilly McMillan. Uh, This is a chilling, twisty mystery about two shocking murder cases 20 years apart and the threads that bind them. 20 years ago, 11-year-olds Charlie Page and Scott Ashby were murdered, their bodies dumped near a dog racing track. A man was convicted of the brutal crime, but decades later, questions still linger. For his whole life, filmmaker Cody Swift has been haunted by the deaths of his childhood best friends. The loose ends of the police investigation consume him so much that he decides to return home in search of answers. Hoping to uncover new evidence, Cody starts a podcast to record his findings. But there are many people who don't want the case reopened so many years after the tragedy um you may recognize the author's name she uh wrote she's written several um several really uh really uh well received psychological suspense mystery novels like what she knew the perfect girl um and these are um what a uh, a few of her books are part of a series um uh, but this new one I know what you know is a standalone um, so you don't have to worry about getting caught up with a series beforehand. Um, her writing is perfect uh, for fans of authors like Leanne Moriarty, Mary Kubica, Rosamund Lupton, Sherry LaPena, Lisa Ballantine. Um, so if any of these, any of these authors are ringing any of your bells, you will uh, definitely want to pick up this book, I Know You Know, again, by Jillie McMillan, published by William Morrow. And we thank them very much for sponsoring the show.
1: All right. I have our new releases for this episode. There aren't quite as many as there normally are. I feel like the mystery, thrillers, psychological suspense, summer boom is sort of dying down now. (laughs) Um, But there are still a handful of really interesting and compelling stories coming out in the next couple of weeks or came out this week or next week. Um, So the first one I have is Nightingale by Amy Lukovics. And this is actually another young adult mystery. Um, At 17, June Hardy is everything a young woman in 1951 shouldn't be. Independent, rebellious, a dreamer. June longs to travel, to attend college, and to write the dark science fiction stories that consume her waking hours, but her parents only care about making June a better young woman. Her mother grooms her to be a perfect little homemaker while her father pushes her to marry his business partner's domineering son. When June resists, her whole world is shattered. Suburbia isn't the only prison for different women." June's parents commit her to Borough Place Asylum, A.K.A. the institution, with its sickening conditions, terrifying staff, and brutal medical treatments. The institution preys on June's darkest secrets and deepest fears, and she's not alone. The institution terrorizes June's fragile roommate, Eleanor, and uh, the other women locked away within its crumbling walls. Those who dare to speak up disappear or worse. Trapped between a gruesome reality and increasingly sinister hallucinations, June isn't sure where her nightmares end and real life begins, but she does know one thing. In order to survive, she must destroy the institution before it finally claims them all. And again, that one is Nightingale by Amy Lukovics, and that one is actually already out now. The second one I have is Uh, The Hollow of Fear by Sherry Thomas. This one, I believe, comes out on October 2nd. And it is the next book in the Charlotte Holmes Lady Sherlock series. Uh, The first one, I believe, is A Study in Scarlet Women. And the second one was A Conspiracy in Belgravia. So under the cover of Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, Charlotte Holmes puts her extraordinary powers of deduction to good use. Aided by the capable Mrs. Watson, Charlotte draws those in need to her and makes it her business to know what other people don't. Moriarty's shadow looms large. First, Charlotte's half-brother disappears. Then, Lady Ingram, the estranged wife of Charlotte's close friend, Lord Ingram, turns up dead on his estate. And all signs point to Lord Ingram as the murderer. When Scotland Yard's closing in, Charlotte goes under disguise to seek the truth. But the undercover- uncovering the truth could mean getting too close to Lord Ingram and a number of malevolent malevolent forces. So again, this is the third book in the Lady Sherlock series, which is basically like a gender bent Sherlock Holmes. Um, And again, that's called The Hollow of Fear by Sherry Thomas. And then the final book I want to mention is Zero Sum Game by S.L. Huang. And this one also comes out on October 2nd. Um, This one is sort of like a science fiction thriller. Cass Russell is good at math scary good. The vector calculus blazing through her head lets her smash through armed men twice her size and dodge every bullet in a gunfight, and she'll take any job for the right price. As far as Cass knows, she's the only person around with a superpower, until she discovers someone with a power even more dangerous than her own. Someone who can reach directly into people's minds and twist their brains into Mobius strips. Someone intent on becoming the world's puppet master. Cass should run, like she usually does, but once she... But for once, she's involved. There's only one problem. She doesn't know which of her thoughts are her own anymore. Uh, So, again, if you enjoy science fiction thrillers, then you might enjoy Zero Sum Game by S.L. Huang, and that one comes out on Tuesday, October 2nd.
0: All right. Well, yeah, once again, adding all of those to my list. And I think I didn't realize that the third book in the Charlotte Holmes uh, series was coming out, which actually is like the perfect segue, because I just finished the first book in, hey, the, there you go. in the Charlotte Holmes series. So I'm just going to go ahead and charge on through. Um, so I... Uh, So yeah, I finished the first book, which is A Study in Scarlet Women. Um, This was the one that I had, I was meaning to read for the historical um, mystery episode that we did the last time, I think it was, Um, but I hadn't gotten far enough past the point where I had stopped listening to the book the last time. Um, So I did finish it, and I really liked it. Now, I, um, Rincey, I saw your Goodreads review of it when I was um, adding something to to my Goodreads page. Um... And it uh, I ag- and I have to say, I think your sentiment said that, you know, you were like not sure or the the shifting perspectives and like the the names and stuff. It was a little hard to keep track of, um, which I found to be the case. I was um, I that was one of the reasons why I ended up not finishing it on audio, because it was just too dang hard to keep track of all of these characters with similar sounding names. And they're all Lord and Lady and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know, like, I'm I'm trying to keep them straight, but it's really difficult on audio. Um, But I I did uh, finish it as an ebook. And after a while, I kind of, like, I was able to sort of keep the character straight. Um, I It might, for me, it might be worth a reread just to kind of go back and be like, okay, did I really? Okay, yes, I did. That character was that person. That character was that person. But I loved the feel of the story. I loved the characters. I love Charlotte Holmes. She's, like, this really intriguing combination of, like, Cold clinical deductive skills, but she also has like you know kind of you know she has compassion and empathy. It's just kind of like she doesn't use them that often and isn't quite sure what to do with these feelings. Um, but she's just such an interesting character. All of the female characters in here are in are really interesting. Whether you know whether they're the protagonists or or they might be antagonists. Um, It was just a. I just. I loved the feel of it. I loved, just yeah. Just just kind of getting a sense of the characters and their relationships, which usually doesn't. um, For me, I mean, I like character driven stories, um, but if they if the mystery kind of takes second kind of takes a back seat sometimes I'm not I'm not always as interested it really depends this was one that I really really enjoyed um so it's it's one that I that I definitely want to read a a conspiracy in Belgravia and now I can pick up the third one too um so yeah studying Scarlet Women by Sherry Thomas um, and then i just finished the audiobook for the last time i lied by riley sager like today like on my way to work i finished it um, and i really liked it because i was um, i was talking with a coworker and she was reading the book at the same time I was listening to it on audio. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm not quite sure where the story's going, but I like where it's going so far. It's very atmospheric. Like, if you want, like, kind of a creepy summer camp or creepy woods, creepy mountain lake setting. This book delivers in spades. It's so atmospheric. And I'm like, okay, you know, we're going along interesting mystery. Okay, yeah, you know, suspend a little bit of disbelief here. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm I'm still I'm digging it. You know, it's um and then it gets it gets to a point and you're like, "Well, I was not expecting that." Um, and then the story just kind of like goes off in a direction you did not expect. And, um, it's, it's got, I think, really good plot twists that I think were that they weren't just kind of like shoehorned in there. I thought, I thought it worked really well. The characters were really, were really interesting. Um, kept me guessing the whole time, but I didn't feel cheated at all. It was a really, really solid psychological suspense novel um, a couple times where you have to suspend, like I said, suspend disbelief a little bit, but honestly, like, I didn't care. I was just like, yeah, sure, I'll buy it. And then I just kind of kept going with the story. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. And it was really good on audio if you're if you're a fan of audio books. Um, so again, that was uh, The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager. And then in terms of what I'm starting, I've got Lethal White on audio and uh, Bad Blood by John Carreyrou, which uh, which we've talked about on the show before. Um, both of those I've got on hold as audiobooks, and they're probably going to come in at the exact same time. So I'm just not sure which one's going to come in first, and we're going to see how this goes, because I'm guessing they're probably going to have holds after me, and I'm going to have to get through them pretty quickly. So this will be interesting. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I can transition from there, because the book that I read this week, or in the past, yeah, I mean, basically this past week, was Lethal White by Robert Galbraith. And you're going to have to, I think,
0: prioritize that one, just because it's so long. Yeah. um, Yeah, but on the other hand, I am getting the physical <laughs> copy of Lethal White, whereas I'm getting the digital copy on Audio mm. for Bad Blood, and digital copies return themselves. Yes. So... <laughs> I true. Yeah. And so I, I was saying on Twitter when I was when I was lamenting my audiobook dilemma, my soon-to-be audiobook dilemma. I was like, Lethal White I'll have to listen to in the car. That'll be my car audiobook. And then Bad Blood, because it'll just be on my phone already, that'll be my chore audiobook. And I'm just gonna listen to that and make up chores and stuff to do around the house. So hope so hopefully when Bad Blood comes in by the end, I'm hoping that the apartment will never be will never have been cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will admit that when I read Bad
1: Blood, I basically read it on – or I listened to it, and I listened to it on a Saturday and a Sunday, and I did basically that, where I was, like – I started off, like, vacuuming, and then I was just, like, dusting, and I never dust, and I'm like, (laughs) let me fold some laundry and do all of the things, and then, like, the next day I did, like, a big meal prep session, so that took a couple of hours. It was great, but yeah, I – yeah, I – that's actually a pretty good plan to like split them up like
0: that. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to, because I also don't want to have to deal with having to to get each of the CDs onto onto my phone by you know, adding them to iTunes and stuff like that. It's just a pain in the butt. So I'm just like, nope, that's gonna be a car book. <laughs> Yeah. So um, yeah, the only book that I finished
1: so far that uh, is a mystery book is Lethal White by Robert Galbraith. And I won't talk too much about it. I told Katie this offline, like I texted her while I was reading it. And I have a lot of feelings about this book. And so I feel like we should do an episode just about Lethal White after she finishes it, just so that way we can talk it out a little bit. Um, But if you follow me on Goodreads, you probably have already seen it. My, honestly, my biggest, like, it's hard to talk about this book because obviously a lot of things happen and also like i don't want to spoil things for like the previous books if you haven't read the robert galbraith books yet um but yeah i just felt like my biggest gripe with it is that it's too long but also i love the writing so much and i love these characters so much that like when i was reading it i never was felt like burdened by it like there is a feeling sometimes when i'm reading longer books where i'm just like oh it feels like this is taking forever to read but it it wasn't necessarily that feeling I was getting because I enjoy spending time with these characters and I love the way that J.K. Rowling writes and all of this stuff, but like, just in terms of. Uh, general like mystery setup like 650 pages is a lot of pages to stretch out a mystery in my opinion so that's my one gripe that i will talk about but overall i still really love the series and i really love robin and strike and they introduce a new character in here that i also he doesn't have a huge part but i'm hoping like this is sort of the introduction and he'll have a larger part in future
0: uh books oh i can't wait
1: (laughs) yeah I, i yeah i mean if you liked the other ones and you're okay with Robin and Strike relationship stuff, then you'll be you'll enjoy this one as well. Like there's no reason not to. That's
0: like half the reason why I've been reading these,
1: the Robin and Strike relationship stuff. See, I'm the opposite, so we'll have a good discussion next time Ooh. when when you're finished. <laughs> um. So yes, that is the only thing I finished. Um, In terms of what I'm going to be starting, um, I just got from the library this book called The Ancient Nine by Ian K. Smith. This is a brand new release that I had never heard of, but Jamie DM'd Jamie, who we've talked about before, who does the Unusual Suspects uh, mystery newsletter, and we've you know, talk about her all the time because she reads so many great books. Um, She like DM'd me on Slack and was like, hey, have you heard of this book? And I was like, no, I've never heard of it before. And she's like, okay, you should probably pick it up. And, th- and she's like, I haven't read, she hasn't read it yet either, but she just saw that it was about, like, she just saw that it looked interesting. And it's also by a black author. And we're always trying to, you know, help diversify our own reading. Um, so she was like, hey, you should probably check this one out. It just showed up on my doorstep. And I was like, all right. So I looked it up and it does sound really interesting. Um, so you are following these two characters named Spencer and Dalton. And it follows them as they are uh, about, to, I think it's a, like when they're about to uh, join this sort of like secret society type of club at, club at Harvard. They're called like final clubs. Basically, they're like unofficial clubs at Harvard. And um, Dalton is basically like A legacy at this so he sort of knows like uh what the club's about and what its rituals are but there are some things about it that are kind of cryptic and shadowy and like Spencer on the other hand um was basically like an unlikely Harvard uh prospect he's like really smart but he comes from like this poor neighborhood in Chicago and all of this stuff and Uh, Dalton is basically helping like lead Spencer through this, but there's a lot of like, just really shading stuff, shady stuff going down. Um, so yeah, this one sounds like, like a really sort of intriguing thriller. Like I'm not completely sure like what's going to happen because, um, they don't give you a lot of information in the like, uh, summary. Uh, but it just sounds like one of those like creepy Ivy league, uh, Secret society types of books, and I really enjoy books like that. So, yes, again, that's the Ancient Nine by Ian K. Smith. I will probably be done with this one before the next episode, if only because uh, it's due back at the library because it's a new release and I can't <laughs> renew it.
0: Gosh darn! It, I'm going to have to add that one to on my list too. Ugh.
1: <laughs> I mean, you could at least wait until I'm done with it, and then I can talk about it more. So I know. It doesn't have to be an immediate add to your TBR. But I
0: know you. You know me. I'm just I'm protesting. that's the constant state of my TBR while continually making it worse by adding more books to it. I know.
1: I it was funny because uh, one of my friends came over to my house and she like saw like my TBR, my like physical books section that like is all my unread books and then she saw like next to it was like a giant pile of library books too and she's like I don't understand like why you're checking out all these library books when you have all of those other books and I was like because I want to read those books too (laughs) I I was like I don't understand why you're questioning this (laughs) like I want to read those books and she's like don't you want to read your books and I'm like yeah I want to read yeah I want to read all of them (laughs)
0: Yeah, and with me, I have my library books stacked in a pile on my desk. But I think Blaine's really going to be questioning it now because earlier this evening I heard this crash and I ran out <laughs> and I went, "What happened?" He was like, "Your books fell on my foot." I'm like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> oh, so I've got to the, like, I don't know, I've got to find a better place for them. They're kind of precariously balanced.
1: I know that's what I ends up happening to me too because it's funny because like literally right before recording this I was like pulling um the books that I wanted to read from my library stack and I literally like knocked the pile over because of course I was pulling ones from like the middle of the stack
0: (laughs) we don't know how to make this easy do we (laughs) we really
1: don't (laughs) all right so on that note um that's our show thanks so much to everyone for listening For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. You can check out links to all the news stories we talked about at the top of uh, of the episode, as well as links to all of the books that we've mentioned throughout the episode as well. Um, If you enjoy the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, so that way other people can uh, find us and join us. If you want to send us an email, you can email us at redordead at bookriot.com. We would love to get, again, suggestions for future episodes like, you know, we got topic suggestions today. Um, or you can just, you know, tell us about the, your favorite uh, LGBTQ-related mystery books. Um, or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am
0: at Rincey A. And I am on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.